Hello, welcome to the this podcast, which isn't really a Trainer Tools podcast at all. What I'm doing is a new thing called Watching the Leaders, and it's looking at what leaders do in the real world, leaders that we see every day, many of them, of course, political, and looking at what we can actually learn from what we what they do. So this first episode is looking at Theresa May, who has very recently resigned as the UK Prime Minister, and I'm looking at what are the three things that, probably the three biggest mistakes that she made. Inevitably, when you talk about political leaders, there tends to be a lot of bias involved. My intention is not to talk about politics, it's to talk about leadership behaviours. So my own political opinions, I hope, are not obvious. This is really just looking at at what she could have perhaps done differently um, and and what advice I would have given her had I been a, a leadership coach to the Prime Minister, which obviously I'm not, but I could do that. Yeah, why not? I reckon I could do that. Hello and welcome to Watching the Leaders. This is a video series looking at real life leaders in the real world and looking at their leadership behaviours and looking at what we can learn from them through their positive things and through their mistakes. Inevitably, you tend to look at political leaders because they're the most obvious, the most in the spotlight, although not always the most useful role models for us that are in a more corporate world. So this first episode is looking at Theresa May. She recently resigned as the UK Prime Minister after about three years in the job. And it's an odd situation because she was the obvious candidate at the time, I think. I think, although that is, she was flattered by some of the, the other people running for the job, to be honest. But at the time, you wouldn't have picked her out as being someone who would obviously flounder as much as she did. She was a serious politician. She's very detail orientated. She was um, very well intentioned, very hardworking and obviously very bright. So there's nothing that really stood out that you would think she's a bad choice. But she did get handled a, a real poison chalice. She, the, her party completely split, her, the country split. Essentially, the, her entire period of time in office had to be dominated by Brexit and, and all that that means, which is an extremely complicated policy, which she officially didn't agree with at the beginning anyway. So she was in a very, very difficult position. And I hope this doesn't sound too critical of her because looking back at other prime ministers, would they have done any better in that situation? We will never know, but I suspect a lot of them wouldn't have done much better. And I also suspect Theresa May would have done a lot better in other much more benign circumstances. So again, this is not in any way intended to be some sort of character assassination or anything like that. There's lots of things she did wrong. Some of those are obviously political, which I will ignore. But just looking at those things that are more leadership related, I picked out three things. Now, there are more than three, but these are the sort of what felt to me like the big three. The first one was around her vision. We talk a lot about vision in leadership and the importance of vision, and it's particularly important in things that are uh, where there's a big distance between you and the people you lead, because in political leadership, you inevitably you don't meet really any of the people that you lead or very, very few of the people you lead. So your brand and your vision becomes even more important than it would be in people you're interacting with every day. Now, some people might be a little bit sceptical about the the value of things like brand and vision and those kind of words, and and I do get that. But when it comes to something like Brexit, which was the dominant policy for her administration, the dominant policy for the UK, not having a clear vision on what that meant for the country meant that immediately she was in she was in trouble. That first speech she did on the Downing Street, she hardly mentioned Brexit. After that, she was saying things like Brexit means Brexit or red, white and blue Brexit, which are meaningless, vacuous nonsense. And then even moving on from that, as Brexit developed, she then developed her red lines which were very kind of managerial, very the, the, the not, in, not inspiring stuff. There was no 
there was no feeling that you kind of knew what she was for or what she was against, apart from delivering on the referendum, which she was very clear about. So she was very clear about they had to be done. She wasn't going backwards or anything. But apart from that, she had no clear vision. You kind of, Remainers didn't trust her because she was she was definitely trying to pull um, take out the European Union. Leavers didn't didn't um, trust her because it all it felt muddled and it wasn't clear what she was going for. Um, and in the end, the, that trust wasn't there. And that leads us into the second main point, lack of inclusion. And I think this is actually the biggest thing that she got wrong. She didn't delegate. She took it all on herself. She didn't build a broad coalition. This was a major constitutional change that had split the country down the middle, that split her party down the middle, that split the other parties, well, not all of them, but, but certainly split Labour to some extent as well. It's a major constitutional change, massively controversial. Everybody split on it. Damaging to the United Kingdom's integrity, given the votes that had come out of Scotland, Northern Ireland issues around the Irish border, etc., Welsh opinions, massively damaging um, to the whole structure and foundation of the country. And she pretty much tried to do it all on her own. There was no big picture of let's make this a British Brexit, let's make this an inclusive Brexit, let's listen to everybody's point of view, let's try and uh, incorporate stuff, do we need to make constitutional changes in the UK to, you know, to capture things that will be taken away when we don't have the backup of European law which essentially is, is the kind of Labour stumbling block. What do we need to do about Ireland? That's a massive issue there as well, and how that affects Good Friday Agreement and, and stuff like that. All of it was just Theresa May. So then to present something that you've done like that in such isolation, into such a hotbed political uh, circumstances, and expect it to succeed, it was absolutely naive beyond anything I can comprehend. And really, if you're doing any kind of change management project in your role, one of the first things you do is build that guiding coalition. You know, I mean, the sense of urgency is kind of already there if you're looking at something like a Cotter model. Sense of urgency is there. That's fine. What about that guiding coalition? You know, there's nothing there. It was just her, very capable person, of course, but her just doing it on her own. And that was it. It was never going to work. So given the, given the parliamentary arithmetic, given everything else, it was, it was just, she was on a hiding to nothing as soon as she set off doing that. So... Any kind of big change needs that guiding coalition. You need to build the vision together. And that just didn't happen. And this leads us on to the, the third one, which was one thing a lot of people said about her, how determined she was, just how almost dogmatically wedded to sort of getting this thing through and how much she pushed. But stubbornness in the face of um, reality is not the same thing as determination. And I think... Her sticking to the red lines, which made any deal impossible, her just consistently going back with the same deal, the same deal, the same deal, ignoring what everyone was saying to her, was just was just not going to work. And it's a great quote by Simon Sinek, which I think captures this. And it is a difficult one to get right. I, I, I admit that. I've had similar struggles myself when you're wanting to push through something and you're coming up against obstacles. But Simon Sinek says, one of the best paradoxes of leadership is the leader's need to be both stubborn and open-minded. A leader must insist on sticking to the vision and stay on course to the destination, but he must be open-minded during the process. He or she, he should have said, of course, but I am quoting directly from, from Simon's uh, quote. And I think that's right. It, leadership does involve, no, we need to get to this vision. We built the vision together, so therefore you've already got your, your, your a more of a reason to stick to it. But if it's wrong, it's wrong. And we need to rethink. And how we get there, we need to work together on. And we will need to rethink and we will need to compromise and we will need to do that. And that's where she fell over. It was all stubbornness, no open mindedness. So I hope you find this podcast useful. Interested in your opinions. Did I get the, th the right three things? 
Were there other things that I should have talked about? Do you agree, disagree? Oh, and this is also a YouTube series. So if you want to look at the YouTube version, then go back. It's called Watching the Leaders on YouTube. That's the name of the channel. And you should find the link in the trainer-tools.com. I'll put it in there. So thank you for listening. See you next time.